Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right, Wheeler. You ready? Yeah. So, uh, okay, so, uh, so we, we always do this. this. Are we doing this? I don't know. We so, never know who's starting it. We say, seen, ready? Yeah, you ready? Yeah. And then we both start talking or no you, one starts talking. <laughs> and now I can't get a word in. You you, you seem down <laughs> this week, man. What's going on? You, you had last you week s- off. I was watching your, your social media. You're like jumping around in the desert out there in the sand dunes and the Monaghan sand dunes. And maybe that's why I'm down. Yeah. Uh, and that was at White Sands. White Sands. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, why do I seem down? What do you mean? I don't know. You're just you're, you're very reserved. I, I don't. Uh, are you sick? I know. So maybe it's the weather. It you know, it's just like pouring and pouring. And I'm like in some little corner of my house right now because they're, you know, ripping up the floors in there and That's doing all kinds of things. There we go. Yes. You have strangers and, and in so your house because you have a new background. You're looking out the front window. Yes. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like a spare room. And then um, on top of that. Uh, and here's why. I'm, I, OK, I found out why I'm down. Uh, you, you're like my psychologist now. Uh, so yeah, they're in the other room, ripping out some floors, uh, trying to redo something in there. I come in here and I'm in the spare room and I think, well, this will work. You know, I've got a little window here. It is pouring rain outside. Yeah. And I thought, what was that? Did I did I just spit while I was talking to Jason here? And no, I didn't. Uh, there was water coming in this window. The things you mm. don't know about parts of your house until you happen to just be there, you know, where you're usually not. I look back and it's like, it's like a waterfall cascading in through this window. There's like, like a seal broken. So I guess that's maybe why I'm down. Yeah. That, so, so uh, yeah, that would qualify definitely. So tell me what you're drinking today, man. Cause you need to, uh, to have a swig well, and take I, the edge off. You know, there's that too. You know, I was looking at this and I was trying to figure out who makes it. It's called a <laughs> ranch water, blue agave, hard seltzer, grapefruit. You know how I like that grapefruit stuff. Yeah, and, you're, I, it, you're and it says it says original Texas recipe at the top, and I fell for that. Uh, and then I start looking at the little small print on here, and this is imported from Las Vegas, Nevada, and it is a product of Mexico. So it's been all over the place. <laughs> the only thing that makes it Texas, I guess, is the supposed recipe and the fact that they sold it here in Texas. But I'm going to drink it anyway. Well, I, I'm doing the Mexican theme today as well, too. I have, I've been on RAR for a while over in Fort Worth. This is yeah. the RAR Chelada, Cielo Chelada. Rojo. So what now, is that? what is a Chelada again? Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, that sounds like enchilada. Yeah. Like, lada can be short for enchilada. I hope it doesn't, I hope it's not that. I, no, isn't a enchilada one of those things where they pour the beer upside down yes, in a margarita cup? Like into a margarita or something or, like that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's maybe what you're looking at there. You're yeah. probably going to get some lemon, lime, salt, and beer in that. It says beer with spices. So I'm going to I'm gonna raise this toast to you. You just had a big birthday, man. Uh, happy birthday to you. I heard um, I heard that you had one the day before me and, and, and maintained that you're, the fact that you are a day older. Wow, this is really good. Um, man, that's that's surprisingly good. I, I'm three days ahead of you, surprisingly. Oh, Same I thought you were one day. So no, I, I I gave you the happy birthday message then on the wrong day. Yeah, it's okay. Everyone did. I, uh, Sorry. No, that's fine. But, but hey, before we get going, um, 
<laughs> I had an incident happen the other day. I thought about you because you kind of came up in it. Whatever it was, couldn't have been good then. No, it was pretty good. I don't share these things very often, but this one just it blew me away twice in like twenty four hour period. So I go see a film at the Angelica Theater in Dallas with a buddy of mine the other day, and nobody's there yet. It's like you know an eleven a.m. movie, and um, <laughs> we walk up, and and the the clerk there at the box office says to me, "Okay," uh, I said, "We'll have I'll have one for you know this film." And she said, is that an adult ticket or a senior ticket? God, no. I'm like, no, who? No way. I'm, I'm sorry. What, me? No, I started laughing and said, no, 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 just an adult ticket. But by the way, how much is the senior ticket? Oh, my gosh. So I, I, I was really bothered by that. And then fast forward 24 hours later, um, I, I was in this hotel lobby for uh, to, to meet with uh, this guy. And a woman walks up to me and says, um, excuse me, David? And I was dressed like in shorts and stuff. I said, no, 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 ma'am, you have the wrong person. My name's Jason. She said, that's right. I love your money segments. I love those money segments you have on WFAA. I said, so she I, I thought you were that. me. So did you proceed to like say profane things to her and, and, well, and just like carry it forward and make it really awful <laughs> for me? At first, she thought I was Schechter, David Schechter. Jeez. And then I said, no, no, no. And then she said, well, you're on Channel 8. And she said, that's right. I, you do the money segments. I love those money segments. Um, but no, I I, uh, I made you shine, man. I said, you know oh, what? I, I, I appreciate you watching me, but I'm a big fan of Jason Whiteley. So that's who you really ought to be watching. <laughs> he, he's the guy. Well, if it makes you feel any better, nobody ever knows what I do. Anytime anybody ever says anything, I, I shouldn't say anytime, but a lot of times, hey, man, how's the weather? Well, uh, it's going to be hot and dry and a uh, 20% chance of rain. I don't even correct people anymore. I just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's me. That, that's, or that's sports. They think I do sports. They think I do traffic. Nobody ever guesses. You do news in a podcast, right? Yeah. Nobody. Uh, that, that was pretty good, though. I, I, I was bothered a lot by the, the senior ticket, but um, then the whole you How do the old money was segment she? cracks me up. She is How a old was she, former would you say? official at City Hall. She's, I, I, I mean, in, in case she might be listening to this, because she clearly does know who, uh, you know, we are at WFAA. She um, probably 60. Oh, wow. So. I see. Yeah. I was thinking it came from like an 18 year old. No, no. I, I mean, I don't know which is worse, though. I, I don't know either. I, I don't know where you're going with that one, but I wasn't I wasn't sure which, which would be Somebody worse. Somebody who's that. 60 should have been able to tell that you're not a senior citizen yet. So I think that might actually be worse, even though the ego might have felt it more with someone who's much younger. Uh, probably so. I, I don't get the Schechter thing. I mean, Schechter is a lot better looking than I am. His, his hair I agree. is a different and he color wears glasses. than mine. Did he you have wears, your glasses on? I, I, I might have had my glasses on, but that's he, what his it was. hair is a different color. He wears better clothes, you know, and then, <laughs> and then there's you and you have better hair. And, you know, I, I don't know. But just the no fact matter that what, I'm in your it's company. not flattering. It's I'm not flattering company, to so be hey. stuck into an age group that you're not to yet, especially when you're, you know, hitting a birthday. So Anyways. you drink up on that beer there. Yeah. We digress. Let's, let's get to the podcast here. Today's podcast, um, I, I've wondered about this since this whole thing spun up. This is all about permitless carry. So th this yeah. is the bill that just passed uh, the Texas legislature that uh, essentially says that anyone can carry a, a, a firearm, a, a pistol, a handgun in the state without having a license, without going through any training or anything. Now, yeah. th this bill, Jason, as you well know, has been coming up every every two years, every session it would come up. There'd be no support. The far right would bring it up. The far right would just start bashing everyone else. And then it would go away. Well, this session, it came up again, like it always does. 
And this thing got to the floor of the House. It passed the House. Everyone was wondering, is it going to pass the Senate? And we were hearing for a long time in the Senate that there weren't enough votes to pass it. And then sure enough, it passed there. And the governor said, I'm ready to sign it. And this thing just blew by, happening mm-hmm. so fast that, that there really wasn't a lot of mobilization uh, they, they couldn't get up going fast enough to oppose this. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was a lot of pushback, though, in Austin. Uh, th- there might have been more if it hadn't happened the way that it did uh, and, and get on that fast track like you were talking about. There was, though, a lot of pushback in Austin. And uh, a good amount of that uh, was coming from people who carry guns on their hips all the time, uh, police officers. Uh, now, you know, we don't want to uh, you know paint everybody with the same broad brush here. There are officers out there. There are sheriffs out there who were in support of this legislation, but there were also quite a few people who wear the badge who said this is a terrible idea. It is dangerous. It is uh, making it sort of Wild West free for all. You don't have to take a class. You don't have to know what you're doing with this thing that's on your hip that everybody can see. Uh, and it's going to lead to some some possibly very bad outcomes. So, so our guest today on the line with us right now, we have two guests, both police officers, both actively campaigned against this uh, over the last few months. Uh, One of them is Mike Mata. He's a Dallas police officer. He's also the president of the Dallas Police Association. And the second officer with us is Frederick Frazier, also a Dallas police officer. He's the vice president of the Dallas Police Association. He's also a councilman in the city of McKinney. And as as these guys will probably tell you here in just a second, these are both NRA members. This isn't an anti-gun uh, issue here, but but let's guys welcome here. Let's start with this. You know, now that the bill has passed, what do you realistically expect to happen come September first? Is you know, are there really going to be a lot of people out there carrying guns? Do you think we'll see that, Frederick? We'll start with you first. Yeah, it's this Frederick Frazier. Uh, I I don't see the rush. The I think what's going to really happen is you're going to have a lot of folks that are going to be disappointed. And when I say about disappointment, is they're going to wonder. Why can't they carry their gun like a license to carry person can? And so the way the bill is written is is a <laughs> it's it's I think there's a lot a lot of false uh, narrative in there of just an open willy nilly carrying of the gun because you can't go into buildings you can't go into the public buildings that you would like to go into if you don't have a license to carry because you don't have the training or the background and that was the key element for law enforcement. Whether the the folks out there that didn't like to hear that, but law enforcement, we like to know who's actually carrying that gun. Uh, All of our officers are trained. All of our officers are background checked. All of our officers have that gun registered to them. Now, I know folks don't like to hear that, but when an officer sees a weapon on the street, immediately a red flag goes up. Why is that person carrying? And remember, we live in metropolitan areas. We have millions of people that come in contact in, in the Metroplex. And a lot of this was pushed from outside of those areas because they wanted to carry guns. And we like that. We would look, we'd have liked the bill to be bracketed, to be honest with you. But I don't well, think that's going to change when it comes September 1st. But Frederick, back it up. You said that the people might be disappointed. Tell us how so, because people may not realize that you, you spend every session, every two years uh, in Austin. So, so break this out for us. What's physically going to happen? What's going to change? I think they're going to think that they can just walk into the Capitol or any of their municipal buildings and just open carry. They can't. And uh, you're going to see a lot of restaurants and you're going to see a lot of businesses uh, change that 30 odd five sign uh, because of they don't they actually don't want people in there carrying uh, open carry. 
Because this does allow individual businesses to say, hey, not here. You know, we don't, you know, whatever the state law may be, you're not going to do it in here. And that's absolutely right. It, it, it does. Cha- it, they have their choice. Uh, no different than get, you wear a mask or you can't come in. And so the, these businesses will be able to make the choice of open carry or not. And, and I think a lot of folks will be very disappointed to think that they can just carry anywhere they want. Uh, and they're not going to be able to. Uh, the 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 law is on the side of the person that has the permit, uh, and that's just how it's really going to work out. Um, Michael Mata, let's uh, let's go to you with this one. I, I was reading in the uh, National Law Review that they were saying the Texas legislature is considering preventing the what they call the heavy hand of government from regulating a problem that does not exist. They're talking about, you know, the, the whole idea of permits. Uh, you were, you know, fighting this as well. Talk about why you all came out to try to prevent this from becoming law here in Texas. Uh, is it a problem that exists? Oh, I absolutely. This is Mike Mata again. Uh, I absolutely think it's going to be an issue and a problem for officers in the field because, well, let's just talk about exactly what Frederick was talking about. You know, the public is not educated on what when they can carry and where they can carry. So I can already see these instances where they're going to go to a business thinking they can walk in with their gun. A store owner or a restaurant owner uh, manager says, no, you can't come in with that. And they're going to come back to say, hey, this law says I can. And we're going to have a confrontation there. And then 911 gets called. Officers get called to the scene and hopefully violence hasn't occurred. And I'm not even saying uh, a shooting, but just physical violence hasn't occurred. Um, and we have now have to mediate between business owner rights, uh, you know, the rights of that owner in his property in the premises of his property. And then again, what the law says that this individual can and cannot do. And uh, there's a huge difference, just like Frederick said, between that concealed handgun license permit holder and now this permitless holder. So that's that's one section of it. But the bigger problem that I had is exactly what I had said on, a, on another interview is we have no idea who the good guy is. You know, I heard time and time again, legislature say, well, the good guys are going to carry guns. Well, nobody wears a T-shirt that says I'm the good guy. <laughs> so when we already get we already go to these calls that we have our family violence, which is the which is the, the most problematic and most dangerous call that we operate in in law enforcement. And we already have four or five, seven people yelling and screaming. Mm. Half of them are intoxicated, uh, either by induction of drugs or alcohol. We're trying to figure out what's going on. We're trying to figure out who the bad guy and the good guy is. Now let's just throw in five or six of them that are all carrying a gun. And we have no idea who the bad guy is. And it it just ratchets it up, that, it, that heightened safety measure that every officer has to have when they respond to a scene. It's going to create problems. And I'm not saying that it's not something law enforcement can't deal with. We obviously have dealt with other problematic laws that are on the book. The problem is this one, um, there will always be a gun involved. There will always be a loaded weapon at every single scene, not only the officers, but there will always be another person with the weapon. And uh, that can be very problematic. So, Mike, what what happens? This is a question for both of you. So what happens? Does law enforcement change training? Uh, How does an officer show up at a scene not knowing who the good guy is or the bad guy is and, 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 you know, sort things out. 
I've got a well, Mike doesn't know the story, but I've got a it's Frederick Fraser here, but I, I've got to tell the story that was told down in Austin because Mike hit it on the head when he said, wear a t-shirt that I'm a good guy. And so Senator Whitmire was having this argument in his office and I was present. And, and if you don't know Senator Whitmire, he, he's the Dean of the Senate. He's been there the longest. He's a Democrat from Houston. Yeah. He's, he's a Democrat from Houston, uh, more of a closer to moderate. And I've known the man my entire career. Uh, He's a close, I mean, we're texting earlier over something completely unrelated, but this is a person I listen to when he's, and he's also, you know, the chairman of criminal, criminal justice. And, and he, and he's yelling at the folks in his office said, well, my good guy, how do you know I'm a good guy? And, and so the, they're, you know, they're arguing back. It's like, well, you're a good guy. And he's like, yeah, but how do you know that? How do you, how does, how does an officer know who's the good guy? I'm carrying a gun. Who's the good guy? And, and so like when Mike said, well, you know, no one gets a t-shirt and says, Hey, I'm the good guy. And, and this goes back to when we had all the riots, right? Let's, let's put it when we had the protests and people want to say, well, they're peaceful. Well, when you're burning down squad cars in Dallas, Texas, and you, you've got millions of dam- dollars in damage in downtown, and you've got folks that are open carrying that, that are, that are have handguns and long guns. And I, I understand long guns, not much we can do about that, but the handgun on the side of a person at a protest and you're telling us, because the way this bill was originally written, that we cannot approach them and have that conversation. Uh, you know, and Mike said another thing, but we're also written in this bill originally that was the intoxication factor. And, mm-hmm. and so you could be intoxicated with it. So you you can't drive a car intoxicated, right? Or drive a boat or ride any other thing, but you can walk around with a pistol on your hip and be drunk. And, and so we had to, those were things that we had to pull out of, of the uh, of the bill to make them right because they were they were in that bill originally and lawmakers this was and this is another thing that happens down there you've got lawmakers that are not police officers making laws for everybody in the state of Texas okay I'm sorry doctor but you know if I need, if I go to the doctor I'm going to ask your opinion but if I want to ask the opinion of what's going on with a pistol I'm going to go ask the cops. That's who I'm going to go ask. And, and so we weren't asked. We were told this is how it was going to work. And I had that meeting with Kortner and everyone else on this bill. And they were telling us this is how it's going to happen. And, and you, it doesn't sit well with law enforcement because I said, why don't you tell me how this is going to work? And he's like, no, that's your job. And I said, no, you wrote it. You tell me how's it going to work. And and so the back and forth becomes a back and forth. I, I want to get into that in just a second, Frederick, too. But I, w- I want you guys to hit on, too, maybe, Mike, about what physically happens September 1st. Does training change between now and then? I mean, I, officers have got to be a little concerned about this. Well, I, and this is Mike Mott again. And, you know, they're absolutely concerned. But I'm going to be honest with you. They're um, they're just as, you know, just for a lack of better phrase, they're just as dumb as a normal citizen as far as this bill. You know, I've had so many phone calls prior to the implementation of the bill passing because members saw us, you know, on the steps of the Capitol with our press conference. They thought we were against the Constitution and, and the right to bear arms. It has nothing to do with the right of the, con- you know, the Constitution, the right to bear arms. Fred and I are both NRA members. We're both swore to defend and protect the Constitution of the United States and, and, and the state of Texas. This is about keeping officers alive, keeping officers from making a fatal decision, a bad decision, and worrying about having to go to prison. Because let me ask you again, you're talking about training. 
we'd have to retrain all 3,000 officers and all 3,000, uh, I'm sorry, and all 60,000 officers across the state of Texas. And the, the problem is, is you have major cities like Dallas, Austin, Houston, San Antonio. Well, maybe it's a lot easier there. But then you have the smaller communities that maybe they can't afford the training that needs to be that needs to be done. And then again, first, we have to create the training, too. It hasn't even been created yet. But yet this is going to be implemented on September 1st. So that's the problem with having a size of, of Texas state the size of Texas. Like Frederick said, you have those rural areas in South Texas, East Texas and West Texas where these where kids were raised with guns. They know how to manipulate a gun. They, they've been taught gun safety since they were a child. You know, they could probably break down and put that put back together a gun blindfolded. But that's not what's going on in the major cities. You have individuals that without taking that class have no practicality and usability of a firearm. You got to remember also in those classes, they teach deescalization techniques that, well, they're not going to have that now. They're not going to know the laws surrounding when you can and cannot carry a gun. And so, again, I, I think this is one of those where, again, we put the cart before the horse. You know, Fred talked about those committee hearings. We went to a committee hearing where both myself and another uh, board member spoke. And there was almost 300 people who signed up to speak. There was less than 10 of those 300 were active police officers. And that was unbelievable to me. Um, and so I don't think uh, I don't think we sat around a table long enough and discussed the problematic issues that could come out of this bill. So y'all are not happy about this. A lot of your colleagues are not happy about this. A lot of your members are not happy about this. And yet, you know, here we go. September will be here before we know it. This will be, you know, likely the law of the land here in Texas. Is the fight over from your standpoint? You did some things to pull some things out of the bill. Can you keep fighting this? Can you change it? This is my this is Mike Mott again. And, and I think that's where um, we're going to have to steadfastly watch uh, the consequences that come out of this. Um, unfortunately, we're going to have to wait two years um, to maybe have to make amendments to this bill, more practical amendments when we see the user problems that are coming out of this. I mean, that's nothing new. We, we've had other bills that we've had to do the same thing. The problem between this bill and those bills is that, again, this is involving a, a deadly weapon. You know, just by the design and use, it is created to cause harm and injury to another when used in that fashion. Um, and it's being, you know, sometimes, more often than not, if you go by population, um, it's going to be handled by individuals who do not have uh, the proper amount of training to do that safely. So, um, you know, it's going to be a rough two years. I think, hopefully, I think... Uh, Cops got a big, uh, they got a big problem on their plate. They're going to have to work through. You know, we saw Mike and Chief Eddie Garcia from Dallas uh, and, and Frederick. We saw, uh, you know, all you guys down there, uh, you know, actively campaigning against this in the Capitol steps. But then when I interviewed Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick about it, asking him, you know, whether it would actually pass the Senate just before it passed. Uh, he said, yeah, it's going to pass. And law enforcement is on board with this. Uh, more than 100 sheriffs uh, supported this. And of course, our listeners will know there are 254 counties. There's one sheriff per county. So uh, what? And they're elected. Uh, yeah, so and, that, and they are elected as well. the calculus. I, I presume these are uh, probably rural sheriffs. But, uh, I mean, is, is, is it fair to say that law enforcement is on board with this? I mean, it sounds like half and half. 
this is Frederick Frazier. You, you've had a, you know, um, sheriffs are sheriffs. They're elected, and they're in 254 counties. There's 254 sheriffs that have to be elected, and they have, you know, rural areas for the majority. Uh, the sheriffs were the sheriffs were actively working against the bill in in the in the in the in this sense. They were working against the bill to ensure the amendments for enforcement were in there. Mm. Now, were they saying that they were against the bill? No, because you ha- even had uh, the sheriff from Taylor County, which is over uh, in Tyler, Texas area, that came and testified for the bill. But that's Schaefer's sheriff. His police chief was actively working against the bill. Uh, he said that this is a, not a good bill w- the way it was written. It wasn't a good bill the way it was written. Adding the amendments in it made the bill better. But the bill should have been written like that in the first place. But that's not how they wrote it. And it it was written uh, with no safeguards to help law enforcement. Uh, We had to we had we basically had to push back as hard as we could to make sure that those guards were in there to protect our officers. And officers don't understand that sometimes because, you know, they see us working, but they don't know exactly how it's going to end up at the end of the day. Most citizens do the same thing, too. We're the ones reading them. We're the ones living through it. And we're the ones making the deals to try to make sure this is a better bill at the end of the day. Mike, I want to loop back to something that you said about uh, keeping up with the consequences of this bill. Does that mean, you know, God forbid, you know, we do see, you know, uh, some law enforcement officers, uh, you know, uh, being shot, being killed uh, in situations that do involve permitless carry? Uh, You know, what what does that look like? Are we going to see news conferences where you're holding, you know, someone's feet to the fire and and, and making a, a big splash about this? Oh, I wouldn't worry about that. Again, this is Mike Mott. I, I wouldn't worry about that, you know, when if if and when, hopefully never. But we lose an officer because of incompetence of, uh, you know, the 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 gun carrier. And he was allowed to do that because of this bill and, and things maybe that we wanted in the bill that weren't put in the bill. Yeah, we're, we're going to make some noise. And, and rightfully so. We have a responsibility that to the memory of that officer. We have responsibility to every officer still out there answering those calls and dealing with the public. And we got responsibility to that officer's family. So, you know, but this, again, just like Fred Frederick said, this is no different than, than bail reform. You know, it's that double-edged sword. Do we believe that everybody should have reasonable bail? Absolutely. We do. Absolutely. We believe it, but your murderers, your robbers and your rapists shouldn't, but yet they're getting, they're getting a break too. And hence, that's why crime is increasing all over this state. And I believe all over this country, because that 14 percent, you know, it's, it's on an average of 14 percent of the criminal population are the ones out there committing the violent crimes. Well, those are the same individuals who are not being held in jail and are getting a ten thousand dollar bond and are out on a grant or they're out on five grand. Um, and they only know one thing to do and only one way to make money. And that is to go out there and make crime victims. And now you're going to go out and make, try to find a crime victim. And now they all got guns. So what do you think is going to happen there? So, uh, you know, it, it's again, those consequences are coming. Some of them good, maybe some of them bad. But this legislation going up, I think all the legislators that were looking at this help create this and try maybe those who also try to to not have this, need to pay attention. And we need to do what's right for the state of Texas and the citizens, and moreover, those 60,000 cops who are trying to protect those citizens. Mike and Frederick, 
permitless carry has been brought up before session after session, but it's usually brought up from factions of the far right. Um, something changed this year, though. It took off fast in the House, and then people didn't know what was going to happen in the Senate, and then the Senate, you know, rushed it through pretty fast as well after it finally got on the on the floor over there. What changed this year to finally give this bill momentum? You know, that's a that's a great credit Frazier here. That's a great question. Well, I guess the big thing in the House was when it was in committee and it was heard at four in the morning. Uh, you know, when you hear a bill at four in the morning, it usually, you know, if you want a bill to go, you put it as late as nobody wants to testify against it. Uh, and, you know, and it didn't have its uh, its steam uh you know, like in the years past, it just it had like a buildup. This one, this one came late. Uh, it was unexpected, and then you had, well, just don't let it get on the floor, and it got on the floor, and it passed. Uh, you you had a speaker who had made all kinds of deals with everybody and anybody to get to be the speaker. That's just a fact. Uh, there, no one will dispute that. Uh, you you've got. Uh, Democrats and uh, and Republicans that that uh, that all made deals with each other to get these committees. That's another fact uh, for this thing to work. Uh, and then you go over to the Senate side, and you've got a Senate that started getting mail pieces. Uh, Joan Huffman being one of them, uh, Buckingham, others uh, that were getting mail pieces, uh, aligning them with uh, with Biden and Harris. And and there was the same mail piece because it would have. Biden and then the the senator in the middle and then Harris and it would say this is you know basically a Democrat uh, that these senators are. I, I didn't I didn't realize that. So the political pressure was on these Republicans to to uh, to to drift right. Yeah, huge money was spent almost immediately uh, to the, the the to to put the pressure on the Senate, but and you had. You had senators. I'll, I'll give you an example. Joan Huffman out of Houston, who I, I I think is one of the smartest senators we have, and and she really was crafty on getting most most everything you're reading in this bill that that's protecting law enforcement is coming from her and Dan Patrick. That they we worked really hard with law enforcement to try to get this right to protect the officers. They they are true black uh, back the blue supporters. They do everything they can to try to help us. Uh, their offices are always open. Uh, our communications is great on bills that we try to fix, uh, and I really appreciate them doing that because they were in a spot. Because you have folks yeah. out there like Alan West uh, stirring the pot up. Who thank goodness that he is gone. Uh, as that chair, uh, but you you have folks like that that are sitting there poking the bear over and over and over, saying that these Republicans are not st- uh, holding up to GOP standards. I never would have thought, as a person of the GOP, would go. That's something I've got to pass uh, because I would have say, "What do my officers think of it?" That'd be the first thing that would come out of my mouth. Frederick, let's follow the money just for a second here. Those those mail pieces that were going to uh, Huffman and Senators Huffman and, and Buckingham, who was paying for that? Well, you see, you know, like uh, the Empowered Texans group and certain groups like that, that 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 it has to be coming from that that circle of money because uh, they're they're the only ones that could get organized fast enough. Uh, and you when you have them hitting certain senators because you had you had eight senators that were just they weren't there and then it went to six and then you had like four and and no one likes to talk about that you know they all like to don't 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 say I was one of them 
Well, you know, leadership is leadership. You need to say who you are. You need to say, I'm standing with my law enforcement groups. I'm standing with them because they they feel like this is not a good place for them to be. Mm-hmm. Like Mike said, you know, he's out there every day with these guys in patrol. These guys are going to be the ones that are coming in contact with those folks. Uh, I'm in the intelligence part. I'll be coming in contact on a more intelligent side of it. We're already going to know some of the things we're coming in top contact with. Mike's guys won't. They're going to be right there on, in hand pulling up on these guys. And so that's when the, the rubber meets the road and when the officer has to make a decision. And sometimes those decisions are not going to be the ones folks like. And you're, and you're going to you're that one person is going to scream. I've got my right to carry. And that officer is like, I got my right to protect myself. And so and, and the citizens that he serves. So that's that's the where I, I wish that the the legislative body would be a little more accountable to, hey, we need to really do more for these officers and protect them and not sit there and play games with their lives. You guys uh, combined here have so many years in law enforcement and you're able to give the perspective from, you know, the point of view of behind the badge. Uh, Let's take it beyond that for just a moment here and just talk about regular everyday people. You know, this isn't just going to be an issue that affects people who wear the uniform. What do you see as, you know, what, what would you say to the rest of us? What should we expect? Uh, as this becomes law? Well, this is Mike Mata. And I think um, another driver uh, to your previous question, but leading into this one is crime, is rising crime. So you have the populace in the major cities. Every single city in Texas has seen murder and violent crime go up by double digits. So I think legislators heard that because I know local legislators here in Dallas were getting completely beat up. That was the number one topic Everybody was talking about crime, crime, crime. So I'm sure they were getting beat up on that. Um, And so and they're thinking, well, let's give everybody a gun. That's going to lower crime. Well, no, no, you just you know, you you just gave a deadly weapon to individuals who are already fighting each other and arguing. You know, you only have to get on social media and see that. And so I think the regular everyday citizen, I mean, think about it. Just think about what you've done in that in this last week what restaurants you have gone into, what public areas you've gone to, when you've taken your kids to the park or you've taken, uh, gone to the mall, you know, now you're going to walk through that parking lot before you get to the mall. I guarantee you, you're going to see Billy Bob, you're going to see, you know, Joan, Jack, whoever, and they're going to have that Colt 1911 strapped right to their leg and you got your kids with you. And so that's where I think, you know, concealed handgun, um, carriers to me are much more, uh, uh, you know, realistic in what their responsibilities are. You know, I always tell people when you see that individual who open carries to a, when a bad guy comes in, all that person is, he's the number one target. That's the first person who's going to get taken out. And all these guys carrying these guns, they don't understand that you're the number one threat to the guy coming in to commit a crime. So you're the first one they're going to take down. You're not going to have time to to react and pull your gun. Trust me, as police officers, we know an average shooting happens in less than three seconds, Mm -hmm. in less than seven to five feet. So the normal citizen who doesn't have that training, you know, just to get out of the academy, a recruit pulls his weapon. He goes through drawing his weapon at least 2000 times before he gets out of the academy. I guarantee you, Joe Citizen, maybe, 
Maybe and, many, and, Mike, and Mike, tell them how many hours does do a, does an officer train for just to get out of our academy? With eight months, so it's thirty eight weeks um, of training that that a Dallas officer takes to get out of the academy. But again, we handcuff five thousand times so that we have repetition, and they practice pulling their handgun out of their holster at least two thousand to do that that uh, hand eye coordination and that fine motor skill. So again, I think the citizens um, are going to have, there's going to be some real shock value. And that just means more 911 calls. And that means our response times are going to be even slower because every single city needs more cops because with the narrative that's being carried around the state and around this country, nobody wants to be a cop anymore. Well, let's talk about that for a second because Frederick mentioned this right before we, we started recording. I asked him to stop. Um, but you, you guys rightfully recognized how much law enforcement has changed in the last two years. Um, and I have two questions about that. The first it kind of goes back to what you mentioned a moment ago, Frederick, and, and that is how some in the GOP have, uh, you know, really wanted to push this through. The GOP has prided itself on law and order back the blue. But it's, it seems like at the first of the year, January 6th, that all kind of went away. Then we see this bill pass in Texas uh, over the objections of law enforcement. Does the GOP still back the blue, in your opinion, Frederick? I think the majority does. And I think the the narrative of this is sold um, as kind of like a false prophet. Uh, it, it's like this is going to save us from crime. Really? I mean, I'm... I, I, you could have went and got your concealed handgun license like every other law-abiding citizen and, and done a better job of carrying a gun concealed than having this weapon. Uh, uh, the big, you know, when you go back and look at the numbers on this deal and you say, well, who is the driver? Because you've asked that earlier. Well, the majority of the driver, the folks that were pushing this and just tearing up those phones are folks who don't qualify for the Texas concealed handgun license. They don't, they can't pass the background. They can't pass uh, gun ownership. Uh, so they know they can blend in on these deals uh, without having any background and any type of gun registration. Uh, because when you go buy a weapon, when you go buy a weapon from a dealer, you are going to have to have a background check. That's a fact. And this was one of the arguments I had with the with Schaefer, uh, Representative Schaefer and Senator Swartner is like, how many guns do you think are purchased that way? They're not. Most pur- most purchases of guns are hand-to-hand. We, st- we have a hand-to-hand open system in the state of Texas where you can buy that weapon, and there's no paperwork drawn. Uh, that's I can buy a gun from Mike. Mike can buy a gun from me. Neither one of us are required to fill out a damn thing. And that's how guns are purchased, and that's just, that's just a fact. But when you try to tell a doctor who says he knows it all, then he doesn't understand that, you know, because Academy has a gun, that doesn't mean everybody runs over there to get it uh, and, and they get their background check. He's, he said we were duplicating the process of the, the law enforcement the, uh, from the concealed handgun license or, or the, 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 the license to carry versus to buying the gun. And I'm like, well, how, where's the numbers? I would huh. like to see those numbers of where they're at. So I went and met with the dealers. I went and met with the 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 uh, license to carry folks and the shooting ranges. I I'd like to see how much work they actually did with that. Not one of them thought this was a good idea. They actually thought they were showing me, and I have pictures that I used at, at the Senate and where 
and in their courses that they show training, when they go through their first training where people were shooting the ceiling. Okay. Wow. These are folks going through the class, right? These are folks going through the class, shooting the ceiling. And when they're done through their class, they're shooting dead center. That's the only training they get though. That's it. At least it's something with this. There is no training. So those ceiling shooters are going to be the people carrying the guns and where that bullet goes, who knows? And because there's been zero training and zero background check, and that's a recipe for disaster. And at the end of the day, guys, this is it's obvious. This is all about getting reelected. Uh, the, the GOP, it's no secret to anyone, has, has drifted much farther to the right over the last five, six years. Um, but do you guys see anything different from that? Could, could you argue against that at all? This is not about getting reelected? Well, this is, this, this, this is 100%. Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. This is Mike Mata. You know, and, you know, just so we say that, that uh, and I know Frederick will, will agree, this is both parties because it's it's the right to carry and carry guns with the right and it's police reform with the left. Because, again, you know, the Democrats are pushing police reform. Nobody wants police reform more than the police. We have been yelling and screaming. I know Fred and I have for the last 10 years. We need a better academy. We need better training. We need higher standards. But it takes money and nobody wants to put the money into the system. You know, the Democrats are are pushing about police reform. Their reform bills are rewriting laws that are already on the books. A lot of the things that they were putting in into some of these reforms, we already do it. And that's a fault of the law enforcement community not uh, not not being loud enough to the community saying we already do these things. You don't have to create another law when we already have one on the books. And so, again, it's both sides. It's all the politicians taking whatever earmark is going across the country at the present time saying, look what I'm doing. I'm leading from the front. Well, no, if they would just sit down at the table, I say this time and time again, if they would just sit down with law enforcement and let us explain to them what we do and why we do it, and we in turn will listen to them about their concerns and what they do do know and what they don't know, then we would have much better laws. We would have much better understandings. We probably would have less protests because we're all trying to go in the same direction, but they're supposed to hate us. We're supposed to hate them. And we've got people pushing that narrative because they're making a living off it. And so we, as a general populace need to stop listening to them, sit around these tables. And instead of trying to find more problems, we need to create more solutions to the problems that already exist. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll take that a little bit of a spreader pressure here. Little bit step further. I said something to you guys earlier before we went on that I, I sit on a Zoom with every a weekly Zoom with Black Caucus, uh, Black attorneys, uh, and activists, and and it's and it's and we've been going since January, and we have all developed a very keen friendship of understanding, and we're we're all on a group text when something happens. It's it's amazing because I'll send out what this is what happened really. And, you know, because there's always a narrative on the other end of it. Right. And it's and since we're all communicating every week together, they trust the, what we're telling them is factual. 
And because there's no reason, law enforcement has no reason to lie. Not, you're going to see it on a body cam or a dash cam or a surveillance cam. Or the investigation is going to come out. I mean, it's that's it's just there's always the street narrative of what what really happens. And so the one thing lawmakers lawmakers don't do a good job of is listening to the folks that actually do the job. And they don't have anybody over there that is law enforcement. Uh, if you think about it on on the on the state side right now, the representative side, there's one former law enforcement individual, and that is is Phil King. That's it. Mm-hmm. On the Senate side, there's not one. Pete Flores lost. That was the only person they had that was former law enforcement. Now I know Boris Miles says he was a former police officer. We're still trying to figure out where. And so <laughs> and and uh, so you you have you have that factor going in here. And not one of them. Mike, when's the last time you saw a state rep or a senator at our police academy? I don't think I've ever. Never. Not in my history. In 27 years, Mike and I came to the academy together. I can tell you right now, I have never seen one. You mean no one came out to do any research before they considered this bill? No one came out to do interviews with you all? Zero. I know that's shocking. I know that's real shocking. Hey, Frederick, you're on you're on the McKinney City Council. Uh, Have you guys thought about elected office, Mike? Frederick, uh, moving up to state level? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm, you know, every time I open my mouth, I think my chances get lower and lower, especially (laughs) when it comes to things that I'm passionate about, especially like this, because, you know, I I got beat up on my election here over open carry uh, and which was a nonpartisan race. Right. But but. But I had I had these folks that are, you know, that just were like, oh, he hates 2A. I got more guns than most people ever have in their lifetime. And and I've been shooting since I was a child. Uh, I've been trained and trained and trained. I trained my children. My, you know, it's the, the craziest thing I said, you know, in this whole bill, you have to get a license to hunt on your own land. Your own land, you have to get a license to hunt. Wow, I didn't know and that. You have to, and your child has to go through hunter education course to hunt. My daughter, who's four, just turned 15, she had to go through her hunter's education course. But in the state of Texas right now, you are in September 1st, you will not need any type of license to carry a weapon. And you yeah. think about that for a minute. You think about it. You got to drive on these streets, you got to have a license. You got to vote. You got to take a license. Yeah, remember, that was a big GOP narrative. You better bring your You want to go fishing. You want to go fishing. Go fishing. Yeah. You got to have a license. But carry a pistol, open, willy-nilly, you don't, gotta, you don't have anything. You don't even have to tell them your name. Michael, how about you? Are we going to see some uh, Michael Mata uh, for governor uh, signs out in yards any point in the future? No, you're going to see Mike Mata at the entrance of Costco telling you, welcome to Costco. When I <laughs> You know, and I think what really shocks me, and this is what really kind of turns me off about politics. I've had a lot of people ask me to get involved in politics. You know, our last city council races that we just had, less than 4%, less than 4% of the populace actually voted. But yet they're all going to scream and yell. I, I was getting into it with uh, not really getting into it. We have a we have a contentious but love hate relationship with one of the reformed Dallas people. We go back and forth. And he says, you know, Dallas spoke. Dallas spoke. I said, no, they didn't. I said, let me tell you something. Every single night when I answer those 911 calls, I go talk to those homes that have the burglar bars on their windows and their doors. Y'all didn't go knock on their doors. 
You didn't knock on their doors and ask them if they wanted police in their neighborhood or not, because I'll tell you what they'll tell you. Heck, yeah. We did a we did a survey of 5000 houses in South Dallas, East Dallas and West Dallas. (laughs) Over 80 percent said not only do they want more police, they just want better trained police. And that's what law enforcement wants. But these guys are, are, you know, the political parties, they go knocking on the doors on the piece of paper that says who voted, who voted last. They don't go knocking on the doors that it really matters. So when people say, well, the public spoke, the voices of the citizen, no, they didn't. Go talk to the ones that can't even go to walk to the store during the day, much less during the night because they're worrying about getting robbed. Go talk to the homeowner that they won't even let their kids play in the front yard. It's amazing to me. And just like Frederick said, they don't want to put me on the bully pulpit because I will lose my mind. I suppose. <laughs> Hey, before we let you guys go, uh, new police chief in Dallas, Eddie Garcia. He seems to be really hitting the ground running. A lot of uh, a lot of support. You, you guys, uh, you guys think so? Let me tell you what. This is Mike Modit. That guy right there. And I'm gonna be the first one to say. You know, I was a little gun shy, seeing how we took the last one from out of state, um, and then yet Chief Garcia was coming from California. I'm gonna tell you, I was a little worried, right? Uh, but this is one high energy guy. I mean, we have never seen, never seen a police chief out of the blue show up at the academy and work out with the recruits. And I guarantee you, this guy, he didn't finish last and he wasn't in the middle. I promise you, he was at the front and it wasn't simply going for a run. No, he was flipping tires. He was lifting weights. He was everything the recruit did. He did with him. The first day he showed up on this job. He didn't come, shake hands, kiss babies. He went straight to the police academy. He took his state exam, and he scored a 92. A wow. great one point better than me, which pissed me off. <laughs> um, and then, that hurts. And within the same week, he got taser certified, he wow. got pepper sprayed, and he got baton certified. And I had another chief call me and ask me, why is he doing this? And I said, you know why? Because he's going to have knowledge in every single tool that the rank and file guy has. So when he has to give that officer discipline, he knows the operational uses of those weapons, which a lot of the command staff now have no knowledge, are not trained or certified in any of that, but yet they give discipline on the operation of them. Hmm. So, you know, he's one of those leaders that leads from the front. And like I, I like to say, since he got here, He tells the rank and file, not by words, but by actions, I am you and you are me. And that's what matters. Some serious street cred there. Frederick, what Frederick, what'd you get on the test, the exam? What'd you score, man? I probably looked at Mike, so I probably got a 91 as well. Uh, no, uh, I, I, I can't believe you still remember those scores. I, I'm just glad that was over with so many years ago. So, Wheeler, they got uh, scores in the 90s. How, how good of a student were you in school, man? I was a very good student, actually. My grades were great. You know, it's funny. Uh, I used to get in a lot of trouble at home because uh, my mom wouldn't even look at my academic grades. She never even looked at that column because I always got A's and B's, wow. uh, mainly A's. My mom would go straight to conduct. That's the only thing she cared about because that's the only thing that she knew was not going to be stellar. She knew there you were a, a lot wild of- child then, right? 
There were a lot of N's and a lot of U's on there, uh, which stood for not sufficient and unsatisfactory, unsatisfactory. and all that stuff. I was yeah. thinking never and unfortunately, but uh, well, yes. I, that probably fits me as well. So yeah, there were some there were some conduct issues, but you know, as you know very well, I've ironed all of those out all yes. these years later. Yes, you, you have definitely ironed those out. Look, I want to get back to a couple things they said that I don't think has made a lot of the um, news coverage on this yeah. bill. And and maybe I've missed it in the press conferences, but you know, you asked a good question in there, and that that is what is going to happen, not just to law enforcement, but to you and I, and in, in all this when this mm-hmm. becomes law September first. And the takeaway for me there is more nine one one calls. That might that means it might take longer for an operator to physically answer your call, not just in Dallas, anywhere across the state. And the slower response times, mm-hmm. that's been an issue everywhere because we know yeah. what's going on with law enforcement. A lot of people don't want to deal with it anymore um, and, and are moving away from it. So th- those were two fascinating things that I think that, that any Texan should potentially prepare for. Something that really stood out to me was when they said, you know, just imagine the, the places where you've been recently um, and, you know, with your family and so forth. And now copy that same scenario. And this time you see one, two, three, maybe six, seven people walking by with guns on their hips. And, you know, a lot of those people may or may not have ever had a class or know how to shoot that thing. Maybe they're one of the ones who they were talking about who would shoot straight at the ceiling if they pulled that thing and actually, you know, grabbed it and pulled the trigger. And, and we think about like not long ago, there was a mall in North Texas where somebody was banging a skateboard on a table uh, and everybody thought that it was shots being fired in the food court there. The, you know, people were running. It was pandemonium. They were told to clear out, evacuate the building. Uh, everyone thought it was an active shooter there for a little while. And, and, and now you do, you know, when they told us, you know, think through these scenarios, you think through that scenario in particular and you think, well, that uh, who's a good guy, who's a bad guy game, I guess we'll all be playing that one. Because what if that same thing plays out? People think they're hearing gunshots. They've got that gun on their hip. Everybody starts pulling their guns. And now you're looking around thinking shots are being fired. I'm seeing guns. Who was the one who fired the shots? Do I need to take a shot? Uh, and so you can see how that might get muddy and muddy fast. So, well, I don't know. We'll see how it plays yeah. out. But yeah, but you can and, see and like how there a, might be some room for that. No doubt. In that situation you just mentioned there at, at the mall uh, here recently. So when you call a 911 to report it and everyone's got the gun out, who, like you said, who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? Oh, there's four guys over here. One's in a blue shirt. One's in a red shirt. One's in no shirt. You know, so who who do you say to, to go get? I, this is going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And it's fascinating to watch this one. This this become law because this thing was was thought to be over in the, you know, in the extremes for so long. And here we are. Uh, mm. on the threshold of it actually becoming law in this state. And One of the things that was real telling to me was Mike Mata, um, you know, talking about how, yeah, they know, they know they need police reform. They know that yeah. they need to get better candidates in there uh, to to put on the uniform. They need better recruits. And this is uh, something that he thinks is going to make it harder, not only to recruit people, but certainly to recruit really good people to wear the badge. And, and he joked about it, maybe half jokingly, when I asked him, you know, do you plan? 
plan to run for office someday. No, I want to go be a greeter at Costco. Yeah. It, it just tells you, you know, I, I think that in the ranks of the police departments, you know, maybe they're losing some good people. And, and perhaps this is something that might make someone it might be a deal breaker for, for, for someone else. And even though these are, are are veteran police officers, even though they're both NRA members, not that, that has anything to do with it, but they're, they're both pro-gun. Right. Uh, you know, Mike told us that this is about keeping officers alive and about keeping officers from making a fatal mistake. Um, and it was fascinating that that he suggested they just could not get that across to some of the lawmakers at, at the heart of this. But we'll yeah. see what happens come September 1st uh, with this bill as it becomes law. As he said, they're going to be making a lot of noise uh, when when incidents pop up. So we'll, we'll see how much noise is going to happen after this is all said and done. Uh, as always, uh, thanks, everybody, for for, for listening. Um, it's uh, been great joining you all with this uh, senior citizen here via Zoom. And uh, <laughs> you know what? All I'm my said, just take the discount. They said, just take the discount. I was, you know what? They're probably right. I, I have. No, yeah. If somebody's going to mistake you anyway, you might as yeah. well just say yes. And if they thought I was Schechter or Wheeler or whoever it was, and they want to give me a discount because of that, I'll, hey, at the end of the day, I, I, I should take it. Actually, if they think it's me, I think they charge you more. I was just, I was blown away that, that I'd never had that before. I, I don't think I, I need to change my moisturizing regimen, I think, uh, at the minimum before I even look at the, the hair color that you use. What, what shade is that that you use, by the way? Uh, I think it's called um, Sandy Brown. That's, you know what? Here, here's, the, here's the last thing. Uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> There's tie no this such off. thing. I, I, I did a hashtag when I posted this on Instagram. I did a hashtag just for men, which does the, <laughs> the hair color. And did, just you get, for men did they send you a box? They, they just responded to me on Instagram and said, you know what? We're here if you need anything, something like that. So, wow. <laughs> a case is going to arrive any minute now on your front porch. A variety well of colors. A variety of colors. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys again next week.